Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. Hashtag Parenting Who podcast. Today is episode 17 of my podcast series, and that is mind boggling to say. It's kind of crazy. I've actually recorded quite a number of podcasts that are sitting in the queue, and what's mind boggling to me is just how much fun I am having doing this podcast. And Uh, Now that I've done so many of them, I'm going to begin to streamline things and be a little bit more consistent. So for those of you who are maybe listening from episode one through, uh, I'd say by podcast standards, things are a little inconsistent in terms of the structure of the interviews and some of the things that I say or talk about. But honestly, I really was embracing the perfectly imperfect concept with respect to this podcast because the podcast never really would have got off the ground otherwise. And I had this idea, had this desire, found the technology, found some support and some leadership and guidance and decided to just go ahead with it with that very first episode um, that I did talking about the first time episode jitters or something, I think it's called. Anyhow, here we are in episode 17 and so many more wonderful episodes and guest interviewees to come. Today I'm really excited to introduce to you uh, Elizabeth, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet and you can find her at drlizhypnosis.com. So shortly after earning her PhD in 1998, Dr. Bonet left the field of psychology to pursue a technical career. She worked in tech for many years doing project management and launching the first website to do online trading of international securities. Dr. Bonet returned to the field of psychology in 2008. She opened her own private practice located in Fort Lauderdale, Broward County area in Hollywood, California in 2010. As a certified hypnotherapist with a PhD in clinical psychology, Dr. Bonet helps people feel more emotionally stable, happier, and more connected to their partner, friends, and loved ones of their choosing. Specialties are hypnosis for anxiety reduction and chronic conditions, couples counseling, she is Gottman Level 1 certified, and perinatal mood disorders, PSI certified. Dr. Bonet launched the podcast Hypnotize Me in December 2016, which has over 55,000 downloads and is listened to in over 70 countries. Wow, I'm hopeful that we'll get there someday. We're not quite there yet, but 55,000 downloads. Hypnotize Me is a hypnosis transformation and healing and can be found at drlizhypnosis.com forward slash hypnotize 
dash or hyphen me. Dr. Bonet has been a yoga teacher for over 15 years and was the founder of the award-winning Yoga Fairy Prenatal Yoga. She won the 2014 Top 100 Leading Moms in Business Award, grew an international community of mothers, and ran the company for close to 15 years before selling the company in May of 2016 to focus on her private psychology and hypnotherapy practice. Service is an important part of her life. She donates free therapy to veterans and their families as part of Give an Hour, donates her time as a board member of the Florida Society of Clinical Hypnosis, and volunteered at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. On a personal note, Dr. Bonet has two girls, a cat, two button quail, and a rescue dog who she loves to walk. Dr. Bonet has written three books, one of which is on Amazon. There Goes the Brain Stem, Tales from the Trenches of Early Motherhood, Birth Stories from the Yoga Fairy, Real Tales of Birth from Yoga Fairy Mamas, Your Marriage Can Change Overnight, and she is a professional member of the American Counseling Association, board member of the Florida Society of Clinical Hypnosis, member of the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, given our registered volunteer, founding member of the South Florida Women's Health Alliance, and Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital volunteer. All of these links will be found in the show notes for today's episode. So quickly, just to let you know that this episode I was a little intimidated. This is a fellow podcaster I was interviewing, so she knew how how things roll, and she was so gracious and kind, and I think we had a really great conversation. And so Dr. Liz talks about how how she got into hypnosis and how she was feeling ineffective and overwhelmed, out of control even as a parent, and speaks about this fantasy idea of parenting and a fantasy of what parenting or what kids is going to be like and talks about her journey into how hypnosis helped her in her personal situation and why it is that she has chosen to offer this as a part of her psychological services. And I do also want to call attention to her episode number 76 and episode 77 of the Hypnotize Me podcast is specific about healing your inner child. She has a part one and a part two there. So I think we should just get started. Listen up and enjoy. Hi, Liz. How are you? Good. Good. Today is episode 17 of my podcast, hashtag Parenting Who Podcast. And I have a special guest with me hailing from Florida, USA, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And so today I wanted to chat with you a little bit about, you have a podcast of your own, Hypnotize Me podcast, and Mm -hmm. I understand that you're in the second season of that podcast, and did you just reach a milestone of over 50,000 downloads? Yes, yes, very recently. I finally went over 50,000. I was really happy. I was like, yay! That's awesome. How exciting is that? It's very exciting. For me, that means that I'm just reaching more people about what mm-hmm. hypnosis really is mm-hmm. because my goal on the podcast is to give some free hypnosis for people, free meditations, resources, review the research, but also to educate about what hypnosis is. Like it's not, um, it's not show hypnosis, which is what people often associate with hypnosis. The, when they go to a show in Las Vegas or somewhere and 
someone makes someone fall asleep or bark like a dog or, you know, all these like crazy <laughs> things that they do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is hypnosis. It is a certain form of it. And it can be really fun to do that. But the vast majority of hypnotherapists are really working to help people heal and change. And that's most of the branch of it. Yeah. And I was going to say that as well, that it's exciting that you've reached that milestone of over 50,000 downloads because it it does speak to me in that way as well as that you're reaching that many people. And I think for me, that's the mode or the motivation for me to, to do my podcast here as well is, you know, we have downtime as therapists and I really believe that we just want to share a message and help as many people as possible. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We are natural healers. I, I don't know anyone who came into this field to just make a buck. I really don't. No. <laughs> you know, it's like the so path true. is very long yeah. and very difficult. And there's so many hoops you have to jump through in terms of education, licensing, ethics, all these hoops. And you have to continue to do that too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like you finish and then you're done for as long as you want to practice. You have to continue to get education and mm-hmm. take ethics and you know domestic violence prevention, all these different things mm-hmm. to be able to continue to practice. So mm-hmm. it's it's quite the path. And yeah. most of us are there for the right reason, the vast majority. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, I'm, I'm just, my kids said to me when I did my 10 years of university, they're like, you're not done yet, because then I started a trauma program. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) which yeah, which I'm actually about to complete at the end of this month. So I'm really excited uh, to yeah to finish that up. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So recently you had two episodes, episode uh, 76 and episode 77 of your podcast, and Mm -hmm. you spoke about healing your inner child. And yeah, and so I thought that that was a very good pairing with my message for my podcast, which oftentimes as parents. There really is an inner child in us that we bring forward in our life experiences, how we were raised, and we bring that forward in terms of the relationship, the connection, or lack thereof that we have with our children and raising our children. And so I'm curious for you, what is it that you help people with in terms of hypnosis and healing their inner child? It's a great question. The inner child hypnosis I began doing, I would say, a year or two ago. Yeah, I would say about two years or so ago. And then recently in March, I got even more intensive training around this particular technique called core healing. And what it basically does, and I'm going to relate this to parenting as well, Mm -hmm. is we're going back and we're healing aspects of childhood that are affecting you in the present. So for parents, you know, they always say we get an opportunity to reparent ourselves when we parent a child. So most people, before they have kids, they have all these ideas of what kind of parent they're going to be, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and they become annoying people, like later when you're a parent, (laughs) right? And you're talking to your friends who don't have children yet. And they're like, well, I think you should do this, this, and this. And sometimes that even continues when they're older. Mm -hmm. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) it's like, we have all these ideas. And if you have really good parenting, 
then often those ideas are the same that thing that your parent did. Like, yes, I mm -hmm. love that my parents did this, this, and this. And so you continue that tradition, that spirituality, whatever you want to call that, right? That parenting. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, they go into parenthood thinking, I'm going to change this. I'm going to do this different. And then you sometimes even have people who are like, I'm going to do everything opposite of what my mm -hmm. parents did. So you get this real reaction, which in some sense is actually keeps them tied to their parenting of their own childhood when you get mm -hmm. this extreme reaction. So we go into parenthood with these ideas and then the child, child actually arrives and a lot of things just get tossed up in the air. Mm -hmm. Or what happens is we think we're going to do this and all of a sudden, what are we doing? We're like yelling at a toddler, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing here? When they say sometimes that you hear your mother's voice come out of your mouth and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, right? There it is. There it is. There and it I is. was never going to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I was never going to do that. And this happened for my own parenting very early. There was I really struggled with not doing physical punishment and I was mm -hmm. spanked as a child because mm -hmm. that was really what was that done was at the, the norm. Time. Mm -hmm. It was the norm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I had said, I did not want to spank and my husband's my ex-husband now, but my husband at the time mm -hmm. was actually never spanked. And so he's like, yeah, we're not spanking. That's insanity. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so you know, by that time I had a PhD, I had a specialty in child and family. I knew the research very clearly. I wasn't going to spank, but it, the urge still came up mm -hmm. to do that when I felt ineffective, out of control, like, how do I get this child to behave? Like those type of feelings that come up in parents. So I remember calling one of my friends in California and she had never been spanked and she was not spanking. And we were pretty much aligned in our parenting. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I, I reached a bottom. And she's like, what happened? I said, I, I spanked my child. Mm -hmm. She's like, what do you mean? And I, she's like, real spanking or like swat, swat. And I was like, well, swat, swat, but that's enough. You know, like the mm -hmm. intention there was a spanking. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about it and we processed it. And she was able to see like, you know, this is old parenting, your old child mm -hmm. stuff that's coming up. Mm -hmm. And really the task there is what do you do with that urge and have yeah, the urge for yourself? Yeah. Cause you mentioned the urge to spank and it's so interesting because you, you, you're this qualified, educated woman and you understand mm -hmm. all of this stuff. But I also appreciate the stepping back and noticing the urge and what's coming up for you. And then the realizing the human side of you, it got the better of you. You acted on it, but then also realizing this went against my morals, my values, how I wanted to parent my kids. But the reality is that urge was still there. Yes. Yeah. And that's really and interesting that, you know, you can bring forward that perspective because I'm starting even to get a clearer picture around how hypnosis can help that. So I'm really anxious for you to continue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So for her to process that with me, actually helped me decrease that urge. Like the urge wasn't uh, as intense or as strong after that. Okay. And it was a real shift for myself as well. Like, okay, I have to do some personal work here. I, I do need to be in therapy. I need to get some help and some resources so that I work on my own stuff here mm -hmm. so that I'm not taking it out on my kids. Mm -hmm. So it's a real shifting point for me. That's and then, amazing. 
Oh yeah. Well, I, I would call it difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for you to talk about it now, look back on it. Yeah. But I can only imagine because this probably was a process over what many weeks, months, maybe even years for you. Oh, years. 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 I think my daughter was about three. Yeah. And it was, I just felt out of control, really. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, you know, mm -hmm. like this is awful. I was having a really hard time with parenting, mm -hmm. doing a lot of it alone, even though I was married, but mm -hmm. that's very common, you know, husbands yes. or yeah. wives or sometimes yeah. traveling or working or you yeah. know, doing all kinds of stuff. So feeling very overwhelmed and realizing like I, I need some help here because yeah. all these feelings are coming to the surface and all these feelings mm -hmm. about my own parenting, my own um, mothering and how I was mothered, all of this stuff. So, and realizing that all that pre having kids thoughts and ideas about what it was going to be, it really, you don't have as much control over that as we'd like to think that we do. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Right. Before you have kids there, yeah. They're just a fantasy of what you think they're going to be like. Mm -hmm. And then they come out with their own little personalities, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they're living, thinking, feeling human beings. Yeah. They have their own stuff. Yeah. And whether that's their own stuff because they're in your family or for spiritual reasons or mm -hmm. whatever that is, they bring yeah. their own piece to the puzzle. Yeah. And so they're often nothing what you thought they would be like. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So, but before you have them, this is often... I say this too, when people rehearse conversations in their head of like how they think they're going to talk about to somebody. And it's like, oh, it's very easy in your head because the person in your head doesn't respond back. Mm. Right. So right. it's like your fantasy child yeah. doesn't respond back to you. <laughs> they just go along yeah. with like your perfect parenting yeah. vision. Right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, before I say, I, let me give the caution here that I'm a very inclusive type of um, let me say therapist, mm -hmm. psychotherapist mm -hmm. in terms of parenting. It's like, you got to figure out what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely no judgment around someone doing this or that, or, you know, pretty much right mm -hmm. within uh, obviously no broken bones mm -hmm. going on. Right. <laughs> like besides that. Yeah. It's like, I get it. The yeah. struggle is so real. Yeah. It is so difficult and you need support along the way. Mm -hmm. And it's trial and error often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to get to the piece about the inner child mm -hmm. stuff, when I'm working with someone to go back into their own childhood and heal aspects of it, it is so that in the present, they can be a better parent or a better professional or whatever those goals are. But since this is a parenting podcast, we're going to say a better parent. Mm -hmm. okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So when they go back and discover that perhaps this happened, this incident happened, and, and sometimes they often know when they come to me, like, look, I had this really traumatic period or a traumatic incident or I just know my parent parenting wasn't good. It was extremely neglectful. Then we have that conscious level going on. So they know that. And then when we go under hypnosis, we go to more of the subconscious level of, all right, you know, this stuff happened. Now, what did you conclude about yourself during that? And then how did you gather evidence along the way? So to make this more concrete for people, mm -hmm. let's say, let's say you have an incident where someone is a little bitty and they're reaching for a cookie and the mother catches them 
and then they punish them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then along the way, the child concludes, well, sweets mean punishment. Mm -hmm. And now I have to be more careful to get them in secret. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that could just be one of many, many sure. conclusions. Yeah. Right? So when we go back to in, in adulthood, then that sometimes will become overeating or binge eating, mm -hmm. or I can only eat in secret mm -hmm. or, you know, a variety of behaviors that then show up in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And in terms of parenting, food stuff comes up constantly when you're parenting. Mm -hmm. I find for most parents, mm -hmm. it's like, what do I feed them and how do I feed them and what if I have a picky eater and this yeah. and they don't eat vegetables? Eat? Yeah. Or they only eat chicken nuggets. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> you know? like, I'm pretty sure they need something else. Yeah. yeah. But it's a constant battle. So mm -hmm. if you pair that with someone who has real eating issues mm -hmm. from childhood, then you're getting into sort of a quagmire there mm -hmm. of where do you separate your stuff from your child's stuff? Mm -hmm. so oh, right. In okay. Terms of, yeah. Is that what you yeah. mean by gathering evidence? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So then we go back to childhood and heal that incident and put in wonderful stuff for them. So we're taking out that you must eat in secret or if you want sweets or sweets are soothing or you're going to be punished, like that type of thing and putting in good things. Like you're nourishing your body right. with wholesome food. Mm -hmm. Food is for energy and life. Mm -hmm. you know, suggestions like that. So that's just one example of how an inner child hypnosis could be effective in terms of being an adult later. Mm -hmm. And then once you have those messages, those are much easier to communicate mm -hmm. to your own children. Right. Because of course, I, I don't know anybody else's children. My, my children love sweets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, of course they do. Yeah. We're made, we know we're made that way yeah. biologically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the messages become different. The messages aren't necessarily like you shouldn't do that. Like, you know, and in, in this house, we, my house, we never talk about weight because I have two girls mm -hmm. and I just made that promise to myself early on that mm -hmm. weight was not the issue here. Mm -hmm. It was how do you nourish your body for right. energy and health? Yeah. So then the messages become very different to them, mm -hmm. even when they are like, you know, wanting cookies or donuts, like mm -hmm. my daughter wanted to go get donuts the other day. <laughs> she hadn't eaten since early uh, morning was after school. Yeah. And I said, you know, why don't we eat something good for you first? Yeah. And then if you still want the donut, we'll go get the donut. Yeah. And she said, no, I want the donut. And I said, why don't we eat something first? And I said, okay, you know, like that's your choice. Yeah. But realize that that may be, that might not make you feel good. Right. But, but let's go, we'll go get the donut and you can judge that for yourself. Yeah. So it's this non-attachment to the result too, that uh, I found. Okay through my own personal work and yeah. doing my own inner child stuff yeah. that I'm less attached to what that result is. But at the same time, you're educating your child about noticing that if you have this donut without eating something that has substance or is nutritious or nourishing, you might not feel good. And so bringing attention to an awareness about what that sugar, that quick sugar rush is going to feel like. And then that crash and you're not necessarily yes. maybe even, you know, getting that specific, but just calling her, you know, just by sharing that information and calling her attention to it is I think helpful 
uh, as well, because then that's how she'll recognize the cues in her own body. Yes, absolutely. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask, because you said that people will come in with an idea of, I had this experience when I was younger. And so I'm curious about those who maybe don't realize and can put the connection together or have enough of a memory of something specific that is impacting their parenting as it, as it stands in the present day. Mm-hmm. So under hypnosis, you often find a different answer than mm. what they're giving consciously. Okay. And the goal there is to align the subconscious and the conscious. So often with our conscious mind, we want to do this, this, and this. We don't want to spank. Mm -hmm. right? With our Mm -hmm. conscious mind, if we go back to that example, Mm -hmm. but our subconscious mind goes, spanking is the way to go, right? Like (laughs) that's how you're parenting, go right ahead. Yeah. So sometimes what'll happen is they don't quite know what happened or where their, what incident or yeah, what, what exactly happened, but they know they're not happy with what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. So under hypnosis, we can go back and ask, all right, we often start, well, so let me back up. Mm-hmm. We often start with why questions. Why do I do this? Why do I do that? Why, why do I get so overwhelmed by my kids? Why do I want to just run away and become a librarian mm-hmm. in Canada? Okay, that was mine because <laughs> I'm in South Florida. You may want to run away to South Florida. Right? Yes, I seriously. So under hypnosis then, we say, okay, is there any incident that happened that reminds you of this feeling of wanting to run away or this feeling of being overwhelmed? And then we, we do age regression, which is we start with, let's say, 20 or 10 or whatever that age we decide on with the client to start at. Like, was it before the age of 15? Was this before the age of 10? When's the first time that you felt this feeling of being completely overwhelmed and wanting to run away? Was it before the age of eight? And so we'll go back until Mm -hmm. we find a specific age. And generally there is a specific incident there. There's almost always, I've never had a client that didn't Mm -hmm. have a specific incident where they had that similar feeling. So then once we have that, we begin to heal it. And they don't always know it on the conscious level. It is almost always different than the conscious level. Interesting. And so by taking things very slowly and asking those age regression questions, I mean, that, like, how long is a typical session? It varies. So if it's someone I'm working with ongoing and we decide to do one of these sessions and we're using a very targeted question, so we're just looking at one thing, then generally I need an hour and a half to do that Mm -hmm. by the time we like check in and talk a little and then go into the hypnosis and then ground afterwards. Mm -hmm. I need a minimum an hour and a half generally. Mm -hmm. I have a colleague though, who said she's, she can do it in 45 minutes. Oh (laughs) wow. Like great. (laughs) But typically if someone's coming to me just for this technique and they're not an ongoing client, Mm -hmm. then it's a two to three hour session Mm -hmm. and they're under hypnosis approximately two hours or so. Oh, wow. It's a long session. I I thought so because, you know, just even asking those questions and giving space for the person to sort of bring together their thoughts or, 
you know, make mm-hmm. that connection to the subconscious. It's, it's not going, I'm not imagining it's a quick process at all. So that clarifies, you know, the yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. And part of the length of that is the healing process that mm-hmm. I'm putting in what they want. So it's an exploration and it's always an agreement between myself and the client about, well, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel instead of overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with your kids Mm -hmm. or depressed with your kids? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to feel centered, peaceful, joyful. I'd like to enjoy them. Mm -hmm. I often hear that. Mm -hmm. I I'd like to be able to feel like it's okay to take breaks instead of having guilt come up. Mm -hmm. I'd like to feel calm and centered while I discipline them instead of overwhelmed and out of control. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're the ones telling me, okay, this is what I'd like to feel. And then under hypnosis, I'm elaborating that for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So cool. And, and if I'm jumping a little bit around here, I apologize. I've just, I've got okay. some notes and we're talking and uh-huh. one, yeah. So one of the other things that I wrote down uh, when I was listening to your podcast was uh, it's an inside out process. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't know if that's just a general term for hypnosis or if that's some of what you're talking about when you talk about, you know, the healing process is the longest part in a hypnosis session. And then the grounding piece is that, is that the inside out that you're talking about? It is. I would say in general, hypnosis is an inside out process. I would say therapy is in mm-hmm. general. I mean, d- well, it depends what kind of therapy, but let's say that someone decides to go get trained in, like as a parent, they're going to take a parenting course mm-hmm. and a popular one, most popular parenting courses are like, you have the behavior and then you have the consequence right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the reward too, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if they do the targeted behavior. Yeah. So more behavioral is generally parenting courses. Yes. That's an outside in. That's like, I'm going to learn something, a technique from the outside and implement that. Mm -hmm. And I've done those types too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those are appropriate for whatever's going on. Mm -hmm like getting out of bed in the morning and getting to school on time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's practical. Appropriate. Yeah. Right. Practical, practical things. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not putting those down, but it's often what I will hear is those techniques will fail. If you don't have the self-control yourself as the parent, mm. if you don't have, if you're still getting angry and overwhelmed and like yelling at your kid to like get out of the bed, this is your third warning, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. If you don't have that control, then that's going to fail anyway. And that's an outside-in process. So the inside-out is, all right, let's work on you and how you feel about yourself and how you express support and how you express joy and how do you work on patience, right? How do you work on waking up happy yourself to even mm-hmm. get the child out of bed? You know, those, so that's more inside-out. That's what okay. I mean by that uh, Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm happy that you clarified that. And uh because I wasn't sure, but I really like your differentiation between the two. And um, it makes me think of, and it's part of the reason for me, how my podcast evolved into what it is. And the idea behind it is that in my undergraduate degree in child and youth care are literally from child and youth care 101, they start talking to us about self. Mm. And the entire four-year undergraduate degree is based 
solely on who we are and what we bring to the relationship with the child, youth, or family that we work with. And yeah, Yeah, it's very different than my program right through like 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then in my third year practicum, I had to do, um, I was working at a section school, which is, um, I don't know if they call them charter schools down there, but essentially where most of the behavioral cannot be in the regular classroom setting kids go. So it's a lower ratio. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's usually a teacher, an educational assistant, and then sometimes there's a child and youth counselor. So three adults to about 10 clients or to uh, 10 students. Mm -hmm. And in my experience there, and I was a mature student, And because of the training that I had so focused on self, I was immersed in this setting where all of a sudden I could see that those professionals, it was a, it was a big setup actually. So it was like from kindergarten all the way up to high school kids. And there were many adults throughout the different classrooms that I could pinpoint those that weren't really working on themselves. They were doing more of that like outside in approach but then with these kids who are already challenged based on whatever's going on for them and the fact that they're in this charter setting, this charter school setting, it was a recipe for a complete disaster. Yes, yes, it can be. Right. And it was really unfortunate. And it was only because of my ability as a mature student to step back and through my learning, I realized that this is what makes me different is the training focuses on self. And so I tend to gravitate towards that that aspect of um, courses that I take or individuals that I align myself with. And yeah. And it goes, I I mean, it goes all the way back. Mm -hmm. I I taught prenatal yoga and owned a prenatal yoga company in South Broward for like 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I used to tell the moms, look, you have a crying baby that won't stop crying. You have to calm yourself down first. Yeah. Right. It's, it's basic. It sounds like basic parenting. Yeah. It wasn't to me mm-hmm. when I first had my kids okay? because I didn't have that kind of parenting necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But along the way, I began to realize like you have to calm yourself first. Once you're calm, mm-hmm. then you can calm the crying baby. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like if you extend that to the rest of childhood, you have a good example of inside out first. Like what mm-hmm. do you bring to the table? How do you work on yourself Mm-hmm. How do you make sure you're in the right headspace? How do you make sure you're centered to be able to help a child not just control their behavior, but grow and thrive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so the, it really the inner is. child stuff really works on that level. Yeah. There was, I have a friend in California who takes a walk every morning with a man who's like in his seventies and raised, I don't know, five kids or something. Mm -hmm. Right. And she asked him one day, like rules of parenting. And he said he had two rules. One is don't take it personally. And two zip it. Right. So (laughs) she's actually talking about teenagers in particular. Yeah. Say that. Okay. Not little kids. No, I totally got that. (laughs) I have teenagers. So I was totally getting that. Yeah. And then she added her third, which is, heal your own wounds because they will absolutely stick their finger right in them. (laughs) Yeah. They'll find them and they'll stick them and dig it up and yeah. Get right in there. Absolutely. Right. That like moment when they're embarrassed to be seen with you and you're Mm -hmm. like, what? Like if you really don't have a good sense of self, you're like, what is wrong with me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go home crying or, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. So 
those three rules are great, right? But the third one is kill your own wounds, do your own inner work, mm-hmm. make sure that you are getting resources, whether that's a professional or friends or mm-hmm. what you're reading, whatever that is, mm-hmm. you have to do some of your own. You don't have to, but you can choose to we, do some we, of your own personal work. We strongly suggest, and it really just enhances, <laughs> we, we are gently nudge. Um, yes. <laughs> but we, we know that well even just as you were saying earlier in your own experience how there was that urge that came up for you but Mm -hmm. you had you had done some education you had some information and awareness around noticing you know that difference between sort of moving forward with something and that urge or that sensation that was speaking contrary to how you believed or what you believed And you acted on it. And I think that that is a good first step for a lot of people is just recognizing and noticing Mm -hmm. that, you know, this, I'm becoming the parent that I didn't want to be because we are so immersed in a culture that all is about, that is all about pushing forward, you know, pushing through it, you know, conquering all at, Mm -hmm. you know, every cost. And it really just isn't helpful for it's not conducive for healing your own wounds in terms of trying to get recognition for that, is it? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. It, it's very competitive mm-hmm. culture competitive, too, and you yeah. can get into competitive parenting. Luckily, my, my mom's group that I was part of, we were not competitive mm-hmm. in terms of that group, but I hear from plenty of moms because I see lots and lots of professional moms in my practice where they're like, it they hate it, mm-hmm. but yet they almost feel compelled to engage in it. This mm-hmm. sense of competitive parenting mm-hmm. of like, my kid's doing this, this, and this, mm-hmm. or, you know, my kid's on three different activities and she's the best in all of them. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, how is that working for you? Yeah. Are you going crazy? <laughs> right? Yeah. Trying to During meet all the expectations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then how's that working for the child as well? Yeah. So yeah, it's stepping out of that more mm-hmm. so in to what do you want to create and maybe you do want to create the three lessons that's okay but it comes from a different place mm-hmm. it doesn't come from a place of competition it comes from a place of well what do you love to do what do you want to do and how can I support you in that mm-hmm. well and just getting sort of back to the experience of a session in hypnosis you mm-hmm. also mentioned I think you called it uh, a pain point so healing a pain point so that you're less and less triggered and also mentioned that it's providing skills to the person to access for the rest of their life and their ability to move past, I guess, that, that, that pain from their past. Am I, am I saying that, am I saying that right? Yes, you absolutely are. Okay. So the intensity is less, you get triggered Less. And I would say, I mean, sometimes that completely disappears, that trigger. Okay. So it just becomes this feeling more of like, huh, look at that. Instead of like, oh my God, can you believe what they did? And mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> let's say like often a partner will trigger their partner, right? So mm-hmm. instead of being triggered by a partner or being triggered by a child, it becomes this really this feeling of curiosity of like, okay, they're doing that, but it's not affecting me as much. Mm-hmm. It's not setting me off. It's not affecting me deeply. It's not as compelling. So sometimes those aren't in relationship. They're personal. Mm-hmm. So 
sometimes that's exercise, food, uh, addiction, that type of thing, <laughs> to where that thing doesn't compel you anymore. You just mm -hmm. don't have that draw to it. The urge is, is less or sometimes disappears. Yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's unpredictable whether mm -hmm. it's going to disappear completely or just lessen. Mm -hmm. But my experience with it over time and particularly talking to my own mentor and colleagues who do this technique is it will often disappear completely. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what you're talking about when you say accessible for the rest of your life. It's, it's, yes. yeah, it settles in a way, I guess. And it just, that, um, <laughs> I just have a, a picture, you know, you were saying earlier about healing your own wounds and because your kids will go right into it. And then I just had this vision when we were talking about that earlier of it turning into a big, bad infection. And so yeah. I, I guess if we come back to it, you know, diminishing, being less and less, things are less triggering or it disappears. It's almost like you're healing that infection and then the wound starts to heal. And then because it's not sitting there, you know, waiting for the fingers to be poked in, it's, it's healed. It's, it's no longer uh, something that's going to trigger you or activate you or agitate you in a way that has been your experience in the past yes so then that changes the dynamic in a relationship yeah right if that's no longer triggering to you mm -hmm. when you're able to talk about it and explore it more and two it's like well they can't really do that anymore in the same way you know so sometimes they stop doing that yeah but yeah it is like cleaning out the infection let's sew up the wound heal it yeah and at first it may be that raised shiny skin yeah. right and a yeah. little pinkish but then yeah. eventually it fades over time yeah and some scars they go away completely or you forget about them yeah right so it's that, yeah yeah it's the same type of thing <laughs> it's a very dramatic way of <laughs> explaining that but it yeah and it may be you know new things come up too as you go yeah. through life yeah so perhaps you're triggered by something else and someone will come back a year later and do some yeah. work and then go off for a while. Yeah. It's, it's not always like, Oh, you're, you're healed for life. Right. We no. can't promise that we wish no. we could. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> we sure do. Yeah. Particularly when you're talking about parenting, it's those triggers will change over time. So what was an issue to you before you had kids maybe wasn't an issue to you before you had kids and then kids will bring that up mm -hmm. and then that'll get worked through. And mm -hmm. I don't know, they'll go off and maybe there is as adult and you're a grandparent and maybe something else will come up as a grandparent, mm -hmm. you know, it, that's a lifelong process because we evolve. Yeah. So I'm, people don't need therapy that whole time, mm -hmm. but they come in the longer you're in practice, you realize people come in during certain periods to get mm -hmm. help. Yeah. And to do some work and then they go back out into the world and yeah. they're good. You know, they flap their little wings and they're flying fine. And then, yeah. you know, they get caught by a draft or something they yeah. come back in and they're like, let me work on this. And they're like, yeah. all right. And then they flap their wings again. And, you know, it's, it's a process like that. Yeah. The core healing, I believe, tends to work on a deeper level. So that process continues for years, mm -hmm. that healing process and, just gets compounded over mm -hmm. time but um but and any stronger. type of therapy yes but yeah. any type of therapy I think is 
effective in terms of giving you tools to Mm -hmm. continue. Yeah. Cause it's so true. I've been in practice since 2011 and, uh, we're, we're, it's an evolving door, you know, like you, Mm -hmm. you complete sessions and then two years later, all of a sudden someone's saying, Oh, well, you know, I need to come back and they come back and it's, oftentimes they're able to share some of the things they were able to get through that, you know, two years or three years previous, they never would have been able to. And so they build this resilience, but they also have this knowledge of, okay, maybe things are slipping again, or I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I need to go access that resource again. And yeah, I love, I love that, you know, we had that experience enough. And I take that really seriously when I work with kids, because oftentimes I'm their first therapist Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that the experience is such that in the future, they know they have something that they can access. And whether it's with me or another mental health professional, it doesn't matter, but that they know that there is help out there. And so that's really important to me. Uh, for them as they evolve because like you said we do evolve and and the process is ongoing for as long as we're alive really right absolutely yes and part of the work I do with my clients when we're reaching the the end of therapy let's say is to work on what are your warning signs so that you know like we work on prevention how do you prevent this and what are the warning signs and Mm -hmm. when do you know you need to reach out for more help Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so key. they do that like faster and sooner. Exactly, exactly yeah. faster and sooner. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our time here today, Liz. And I wondered if you wanted to, uh, I know that you have a book. There goes the brainstem tales from the trenches yes. of early motherhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am really curious about that. I wonder if you could talk about that for a bit. Absolutely. I When I wrote that, it was... I just had my first daughter because there's about four and a half years between my kids. I had three miscarriages in between Mm. them and I was not working as a therapist and I was part of a writing group. So the writing group was actually, there was one of us in each generation. Mm. So it's four generations. There's four of us. Nice. And I really wrote it to keep myself a little sane, staying at home okay. with the kids, yeah. <laughs> you know, to have something to get you some perspective. Yeah. And it's just little vignettes and with little uh-huh. parenting tips in between them. Okay. So it's like top tip number one is, um, I don't know, keep all the caps of the markers, right? And then <laughs> something like that. I don't even remember what it is or my favorite Play-Doh recipe or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's tales from that early motherhood time. Yeah. And some of the shifting that went on in myself about how I mothered. So there is a chapter of like, you know, I never let my, I would never let my child watch television before Mm -hmm. I had kids. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think with Mia, I made it about 18 months or so before I caved. (laughs) And then I was doomed from the start, you know, she had an older sister. Yeah, yeah. But um, but it was one of those chapters looks at that shift of like, all right, we don't have a village often these days, but we do mm. have a television sometimes. <laughs> so I would catch 30 minutes of writing or feeling yeah. sane or doing something I need to do while she yeah. hopped around and, you know, did all kinds of activities following along with the television. Right. So it, it's just funny. Um, some, sometimes touching. I've heard that from people, vignettes about early motherhood mm. and you can find awesome. it on Amazon. You can okay. buy it off there. It's on Kindle. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. 
And where are some other places? I know that your practice is in Florida. And mm-hmm. do you want to speak a little bit about how people can get a hold of you or find sure. out more about your work? Absolutely. My podcast is called Hypnotize Me. And it's all about hypnosis, healing, and transformation. So you can look for that on whatever podcast app you like to use. You can also access it on my website. My website is drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. And you can find information there about my practice. If you'd like to come work with me, I do boot camp style weekends where people fly in and we'll do intensive hypnosis Mm -hmm. for a weekend. Or if you're local here, if you want to come in as an ongoing client, that's also an option. Mm. But all of my stuff is basically there. And that's the jumping off point, drlizhypnosis.com. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. It was lovely to chat with you today. And I really appreciate the time that you took to chat with me. And congratulations on your success with the podcast. Thank you. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye, Liz. Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com.